Hey, this is Rob, and this is episode 41 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. Oh, all right. It has been a hot minute since I have done a solo episode, and it has also been a second since I've done one that is primarily business focused. So today's episode is going to be focused on something that I've kind of been brewing around in my head a bit as I've seen a lot, a lot of small businesses pop up during this quarantine COVID time, especially a lot of e-commerce businesses. And so today's episode is going to be about something that I've kind of coined this term. I don't know if it exists currently, but I'm going to go ahead and claim this term of trickled down marketing. So the point of this episode is going to be to explain what I mean by trickle-down marketing. Of course, you're probably familiar with trickle-down economics, the idea that I don't think works, that if you infuse money at the top of the you know, rich businesses that people who own the businesses, the wealth will trickle down to the employees and so on and so forth. And I kind of apply this idea to marketing that you're seeing a lot of small businesses start and simply use the marketing techniques and videos and everything that you see larger, more successful companies doing. This has a lot to do with my belief in blue ocean strategy and a lot in my belief of differentiating yourself as a business. And so going back to my point here is that what I'm seeing businesses do is they see someone within their industry. I'm going to speak specifically to coffee roasting, especially e-commerce coffee roasting, but this could apply to any business, any service that's selling online specifically. With coffee, you see someone who's really successful, especially with social media, with email marketing, with YouTubing. You see their aesthetic, you see their marketing, you see how they're filming their videos, you see what kind of content they're putting out, and you do it just on a smaller scale. And let me tell you why I think this doesn't work. One, if you're copying somebody who's already doing that and they're doing it really, really, really well to the point where they have hundreds of thousands, even millions of subscribers and customers and people interested in what they're doing, do you think you're going to do it better than them? Do you think you're going to come in with their strategy and up them when they have a massive head start with a huge following? So already you're starting from behind, kind of trying to take their aesthetic and their feel maybe change it to your own personal thing, but then also just do it yourself and hope that you catch up and surpass. Or maybe the thought would be, well, they've got hundreds of thousands of subscribers. They've got millions of people. I just want a smaller slice of that pie. I I could get by with a nice small business doing the same thing. But here's the thing. If you pick up a customer that likes what you're doing with that strategy, they're probably going to get more interested in what you're doing and then someday find that person that's doing the thing that you emulated in the first place. And I'm not saying to use prime examples of like industry excellence to guide your own marketing, but don't look at what other people do to guide your own marketing. I will repeat, do not look at what someone else is doing to guide your own marketing. Because when you do this, you end up going to be doing a little bit of copycat marketing. It's almost like when you see new stand-up comedians 
every stand-up comedian you hear talk about early in their career, they always say, I look back on stand-up comedy early in my career and I can literally see that I'm copying someone the way they talk, the way they walk, the way they act on stage. On to my next point here. So trickle-down marketing, I guess you could also almost call it the copycat effect. In the coffee industry, especially during COVID, when a lot more people are putting out digital content, they have more time and it's a higher urgency to focus digitally, you're seeing a lot of coffee companies start to put out really, really similar content. I think probably the best person, the most well-known person in the coffee industry when it comes especially to YouTube is James Hoffman. He has a lot of really amazing content he puts out on YouTube. He does primarily like equipment reviews, a lot of reviews of different brewing methods. And so he's the person a lot of people go to when they want to learn about pour over, when they want to learn about the best French press technique. He's the YouTube channel that people go to to find out about this stuff. And so you see a lot of people go, well, hey, James Hoffman is, he made a pour over video that's got hundreds of thousands of views we should make a pour over video exactly like that and we'll get hundreds of thousands of reviews. And if your goal is to do this and put it on YouTube and get hundreds of thousands of views, it probably won't happen because that video already exists. If, and here's the caveat, sidestep here before I finalize that point. If that video, if the intention is to keep people on your website, you can do this copycat technique. One thing you might want to do is if you have a website and you want to make sure that you're the one-stop shop for anybody who wants to know about your product, have as many educational videos on your website as possible. But here's a time saver. Maybe you don't have to do it yourself. If there's an awesome pour-over video out there, maybe you could just put that on your website so they stay on your website and they're still able to educate from a video that already exists. Back to the point. Why does James Hoffman have so many views if all he's doing is something that so many people are doing? It's because of what he's done before making these videos. And this is going to be the foundation of this episode in small business marketing, this trickle-down marketing, as I've decided to call it. In 2007, James Hoffman won the World Barista Championship, not the regional barista championship, not the U.S. barista championship. He wins the world barista championship. This literally means he was awarded the best barista in the world. Let that sink in for a second. Out of everybody competing across the world, he wins the world barista championship. So you could imagine when someone who wins the World Barista Championship starts a coffee company. He started Square Mile Coffee in 2008 that people were interested. Because why should I buy this coffee? Why should I watch his YouTube videos? Why should I listen to his reviews? Because he's the best barista in the world at the time. And so what he did is he had an extremely high amount of credibility before going out and marketing himself. And this is something that a lot of people are skipping. Not to mention, he also published The World Atlas of Coffee, which a lot of people view as one of the greatest books about coffee. I've read it myself a couple times b before starting Folly and Filterra. The world, so he literally wrote the book on coffee. This guy is the best barista in the world. He starts his own coffee company. He starts making these videos, and then people find it. 
a lot of people starting small businesses, especially e-commerce. I'm going to stick to coffee here because that's obviously (laughs) my personal interest, but I'm seeing businesses, and this is something I had to learn through trial and error on my own. They start marketing by saying, buy our coffee because we are really passionate about it. And at first, that doesn't seem like a a mistake or it doesn't seem like that wouldn't work because I want to buy things from people who are passionate. But especially in the high end of these categories, not a lot of people who aren't passionate about the product are going to start a small batch, high-end, boutique, gourmet, whatever you want to call it, business, especially in food and beverage. So by saying we're insanely passionate about it, we're obsessed, this should be almost the precursor to starting the business. It shouldn't be the main point of your marketing. It should be a point of your marketing. You need to make it abundantly clear that you are insanely passionate about what you're doing, but it shouldn't be the only reason why someone buys your product, in this case, coffee beans, because this is something about yourself. And here's what I've learned through now two and a half years of being in business and even leading up to that, doing online sales before that, is people don't care about you. It's a part of the buying process and with social media and increased transparency and the ability to connect more than ever, it is increasing in importance, but the broad majority of people are not buying their product. They're not going to get your coffee and say, oh, I like this person. They're cool. I'm going to buy this coffee and be a lifelong customer. They might buy it once. You might get a customer that goes, ooh, this branding's cool. This, or this person seems cool. Oh, that's a fun video. Oh, they're doing funny content. They might buy it once, but if the product's not awesome, they're not going to buy it again. And so by skipping that credibility step, you're marketing yourself, but when you dig into it, outside of the whole passion thing, it's like, why? Like, what is it about you that makes me want to buy the coffee, though? Like, yeah, you got sharp branding, you got cool pictures, you got cool editing, but like outside of that and the feel of it, like, what is it about you? That makes me want to buy this. And so I look at James Hoffman as like the ultimate example of building credibility before starting a business, before marketing, before creating content. And with Folly, I definitely struggled with this. When we launched in January, it helped in grocery that grocery stores can serve a lot of different types of coffee. And I definitely got ahead of the curve of specialty high-end coffee in grocery. And fortunately, because we were able to sample so aggressively and we were a small company, we were able to be super hands-on with grocery. We were able to get picked up by a lot of stores that way. But once we started searching outside of that channel of trade, it got really, really difficult because I realized very quickly that What made Folly special? Well, we roast really high-end single-origin coffees. Okay. Well, there's other people doing that in town, too. Well, we're insanely passionate about it. Like, this has been something, it's just a growing obsession for years to the point where I quit a job that I really love to start this. Okay. Well, there's other coffee companies in town that (laughs) is kind of the same thing that they're doing. And you go, oh, okay, so... 
that doesn't discredit me, but it also doesn't separate me from the competition. And then you go, um, uh, we got a lot of different types of coffee. We've got this, we've got that. And I quickly realized that to be able to even get a meeting with a buyer or get someone to care, we had to build our credibility. And so it was at that point that I realized, okay, we need to find external validation of what we're doing. It can't just be us. A really simple way to do this, and what, I, I, I'm going to finish that thought, it can't just be us telling the customer that this coffee is awesome. And apply this to any product. If you're doing a service, if you're doing this, if you're doing that, if you're selling a service, if you're writing a blog, if you're selling candles, it doesn't matter what it is. It can't just be the company itself saying, this is awesome. We care a lot. You should buy it. Because everyone with a business cares a lot. They at least think that what they're doing is awesome and they're telling the same people to buy it. So building credibility is not a simple endeavor and there are different ways to go about it. I think about it in kind of like you hear about boxing matches that it's like not the big knockout punch that wins the match. It's the small jabs. And so in terms of like a boxing match, I picture the small jabs as customer reviews. And this is admittedly something that admitted, geez, admittedly something that we were doing well at first. And then we've switched website platforms over the past two years and things have gotten jumbled up, but it's something I'm going to reapply focus on is customer reviews. This is really important that you're getting customer reviews and that someone who's never encountered your company before, that these customer reviews are very apparent or that there's at least quotes that people can find to show that this is legit. How we do it on our current website, the best version of it is the customers that have purchased your coffee, verified purchases, leave a review. It's hopefully a good review. And people go on there and see these honest, verified reviews that the coffee is great. And they go, okay, these people think it's great. I want to buy it too. The other way to do it is seek these reviews from people who are legitimate. Early in any given business, you should be giving stuff away for free like crazy. Give stuff out for free and your only ask is, hey, I want a completely legit review. I don't want you to just give me a positive review because I gave you something for free. I want your honest feedback. And I've said this before, but this is valuable for two reasons. The first reason is first, if you're a new business, you might figure out stuff that you don't want to hear. And this is probably more important than getting good reviews. If you're sending out your product, if you're giving somebody a service for free, if you're doing something for free and you ask, hey, in return for giving you this free service, I want a 100% honest, transparent review. You may learn things about your business, about your business model, about your product, about your branding that you don't want to hear. But the earlier you do this, preferably before you even launch, you have an opportunity to change what you're doing. But let's say at this point, you're super confident in your product. You're super confident in your service. For coffee, you're really confident in the flavor profile. This is what we're doing. This is what we're moving forward with. The other important part is that as you get these reviews, you ask them, hey, I want this transparent, honest review. Is it cool if I use this to promote our product? And this is really important. Don't ever just assume this. Because someone might be giving you this feedback thinking that it's a conversation between two people, like whether it's over DM or whatever, it's like a friend or somebody that really knows coffee. 
don't just assume you can use their review to promote because things can get dicey if they feel like you're abusing their review to promote yourself more than what they got out of it or if they're not super comfortable with being used as almost like an endorsement without being fairly compensated. I've never had someone ask to be compensated for a review, but I guess with compensation, I mean more like that you promoted them as well. So you'd hate to have a situation where you use somebody's picture that they took, you use their review, you keep using it, you use it on their your website, and all of a sudden they're like, okay, this person asked me, can I review this for them? I gave them honest review, and now they're using it on their website, they're using it on social media, I saw an email about it, and I feel like that's not what we talked about. So make sure you're being abundantly clear about how you intend to use it before you send the product or before you offer the service. So that way it's just everybody feels really good about the situation. Having reviews from legitimate people and by legitimate, I mean someone who's knowledgeable about the product or at least like a person who's respected within your industry. These are something you can put on your website. You can have quotes be the first thing when somebody lands on your page. So the first version of our website was not built to sell the most coffee. And this sounds ridiculous. Why would you build a website as a company to not sell the most coffee? When you're new, your goal should be to build credibility first and sell second. Because when you build credibility first, the person that learns about your business is much more likely to recommend you to others. They're going to be more educated about your product and they're more likely to be a lifelong customer if before they ever purchase a bag of coffee, before they ever buy that candle, before they ever use your service, they know everything about you and they feel super confident in their purchase. Also, someone's more likely to like your product if they have a stronger connection before ever trying it. I, I definitely know I'm susceptible to that. If I know someone's story before trying what they're doing, I want to like it versus if it's like a generic bag, I know nothing about it. It's just mystery coffee with the random label on it and I get it. It's just going to be up for grabs. If It can be my mood. I could wake up in a salty mood and taste something and be like, I'm a coffee snob. This isn't up to my standards. I, I have a very refined palate. So create a personal connection through credibility and the way I did this with Folly, going back to giving stuff away. So we had just started. I was just definitely broke. I had bought our first four bags of coffee using all the money that I had built up uh, from all these barista shifts and all these odd jobs I was working with, like driving lift and all this good stuff. And still, the first coffee we roasted was all given away. I DM'd every Instagram account I could find where I liked what they were doing. Someone who seemed to give awesome reviews, not just like, not just great pictures, because this is important too, is like a great picture is cool. And that can be valuable if you don't have a great photography set up on your own, that someone who takes a picture, if you have their permission to use it, this can be valuable for your website, but find people that you respect what they're doing and just send that DM to them and say, Hey, I just started. I'm looking to get honest feedback on what I'm doing. I really love what you're doing. If I sent you some coffee, would you give me an honest review? And then if, if you're cool with it, I'd love to use that review to be able to promote. 
it's very rare that someone will say no. And I did run into the situation where people would respond and say, yep, here's my rate, $500 for a post. I'll do one post and put you in the story for uh, one, what is it, one story post where like you click through it and nobody will ever really look at it because it's really clear it comes across as an ad. I think you actually have to say it's an ad. Anytime someone responded with, if you pay for it, I politely declined. Um, And the reason why is because then all your reviews lose credibility. If even one of your reviews, it's obvious that this was a paid partnership and then you begin using that review to promote your coffee, even if every other single review you get is awesome, it's kind of like people don't know if it's legit. The second you pay someone, even if you, they say, yeah, you pay, you pay me and I'll still give you an honest review, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know. If you give me a bad review, I know I probably won't pay for that again, so you probably wouldn't work again. So as a business person, you probably would be more apt to give it a good review, even if you say so. So politely declined. Here's actually, to side sidebar here for a second, uh, I heard this strategy recently, which I haven't personally done but I was reading an article about how like different foodies will try to abuse their Instagram power and get free meals. And it's a complicated thing because it's a very beneficial relationship, but some people abuse it with using followers that aren't local or just followers that weren't gained in an authentic way and then leveraging those followers that aren't really followers to get free stuff. And so I heard this awesome way that this restaurant was responding to these people asking for free stuff. And so let's say, for example, I'm an influencer and I reach out and say, hey, I have a lot of followers. I will dine at your meal or I will dine at your restaurant uh, for a free meal. And in return, I will promote it. This restaurant responds to everybody who asks like this. They say, hey, We actually don't uh, do any free meals for influencers, just a policy we've put in place. But what we will do is if you come in and pay for your meal, uh, we will donate a meal to someone in need. And sadly, this article summed it up and said that they had never had someone take them up on that. But that could be an interesting way too that you're not giving away product and you can get honest reviews and also do some good. So building credibility, customer reviews, influencer reviews, trusted people in the industry, especially locally if you're trying to build locally. Because one of the advantage of one of the advantages of growing locally is not only like it's easier to build a following locally because that's based where you are and people want to buy local for a myriad of reasons. The other side is it's easier to create a personal connection. Don't only stay on Instagram or social media or email with people that you've connected with. Try to connect with them in person. I know obviously right now that sucks with COVID and people are not, can't do it, but hopefully soon enough, this won't be the case. Throw an event. This is what we did that gave us our first big initial social media lift was we did an event at Lynn Lake Brewery where it was me, Bradley over at uh, the Donut Trap, uh, and oh Maza Chutney was there and it was awesome they came we had coffee beers on tap and we invited that same group of influencers that right when we launched I'd given the free coffee to 
And they were so pumped that we had given them free coffee and, the, and we had established that relationship that I reached out and was like, hey, come to this event. We'll give you a free coffee mug and we'll give you some coffee to go. And there's donuts and chutney and everything is just like complimentary. Uh, and like 40 people showed up and it was awesome and created this personal connection with all these amazing local people promoting local business that it's not just a social media thing. Now, it's not possible it's not possible to do that with everybody, but as many people as you can try to create that personal connection versus keeping it digital only. So, that's kind of the first way of like the jabs of building your credibility is like one customer review at a time, one new local food and beverage influencer or someone who's in the industry or a trusted individual reviewing your product, asking them, can I put that on the website, putting it on the website, having pictures of these people enjoying your product so that it's not just me, 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 me. Here's what I say about our coffee. Here's a picture of me drinking it. Here's a picture of Jeff roasting. It's not just us telling each other how awesome we are and saying you should buy it because we care. Make the customer care. Do that by building credibility. The next would be more kind of the knockout punch. These are the uh, the home run swings, if you will, of building credibility. And fortunately for us, one of these landed in our first year in business. And these are competitions. Pretty much every food and beverage category has some sort of competition or award related to what you're doing. For us, there are there are two. I'm going to say one major competition that I think a lot every coffee roaster looks at as being extremely credible, and that's the Good Food Awards. Good Food Awards is an awesome one for anybody in food and beverage. It is a national competition in which you ship in your product, and they have experts judge it and then rank the top, for us, coffees in the country. And this is something that I've been following for years. Anytime I travel to a new city, I look at the most recent Good Food Award winners, and I see if there's anything in that city that I could go try, and I go find that. And I go, whether it's coffee, I mean, I went to Nashville and went like 10 miles out of my way to find this honey because it was a Good Food Award winner, and it was incredible. And so in our, this had always been on my radar before starting Folly, and in my mind, it'd be like, it'd be great is if in our first five years in business that we could be a finalist. Like, I think this is something that we could realistically do and work towards. And in our first time entering in 2019, we ended up winning. And this was really the first time that a major credible source, like, signed off that, like, yeah, Folly Coffee, this is legit. Only three winners are picked from the Midwest. We were one of them, only 15 in the country. So we could go out and say, you know, we just won a top 15 coffee in the country. And just winning an award isn't enough. That's, your work has actually just begun when you've won the award, which seems ironic because how much goes into taking home an award like that, it's, it's a lot of work. There's so many things that go into it, including quite a bit of luck. But we ended up taking it home. And then what we were able to do is when you have that credibility, everything gets, your story gets a little easier to tell. So all of a sudden, you know, I was in these grocery stores and having a lot of trouble finding any other channel where we could 
gain traction because of what I said earlier, that I was spinning my wheels with the same story that everybody else in town had and all these roasters across the country had. Now all of a sudden I've got, hey, we were just named one of the top 15 coffees in the country. And I would start off a lot of our emails like that. It would be an intro. It would say, I'm Rob. I'm the owner. Uh, Here's what we focus on. High-end, single-origin, ethically traded coffees. We were just recently named a top 15 coffee in the country. Would you like to meet? Now, how much more effective is that email, if you don't know me personally, than that just saying, like, we're super passionate about what we do. We have coffee. Now, I'm not saying that can't work with a lot, a lot of hard work. You will find people that you resonate with by knocking on a lot of doors. And that's, you know, that's what I did as well. But when you have something of that magnitude to be able to throw on the old coffee resume, that helps a lot. And again, just winning the award. It's not like we won this award and then people were banging our door down to buy our coffee. It's not the case at all. In fact, a lot of people don't know what the Good Food Awards are if you're not in food and beverage. So part of it is educating people what it is. And so that's exactly what I did is, you know, send links to the Good Food Awards. It's a it's a national organization focused on food quality, uh, focusing on small batch producers. And we were able to take home top 15 coffee. And it, I'm not going to lie. It's great to win awards. It's a good feeling to be validated for what you work so hard at. But that's not why we continue to compete so aggressively and enter every competition we can. It's because that external validation of building credibility. When I'm talking about your customers, why do they care? Well, there's a pretty important reason to care because what they're doing is being recognized on a national scale. And so things that happen within our first couple of years of business that helped us build external validation and be able to build our credibility that adds credibility to every piece of content we put out and every educational piece we create and everything we do. Uh, we had we submitted our SOB Espresso to coffeereview.com and out of hundreds of submissions, it won best traditional espresso along with one other espresso. Uh, we had another coffee get a 90 plus rating by coffeereview.com. Uh, Jeff, our, who's now our head roaster, in his first year in the coffee industry, places top 15 in the country as a coffee taster, which you might go like, there's a coffee tasting competition? And I didn't really know about it before getting into the industry a few years ago. Uh, I guess almost four years ago. Well, that's weird. But we were looking at different competitions. And we found U.S. coffee champs. And it's not, it's it's no small feat to compete. You have to, it's expensive. You have to travel to the competition. So you've got flight, you've got hotel, you've got like all the stuff of the eating and whatever while you're there. And it's a lot of training. And so we were looking at the different competitions and the one everybody focuses on is the barista competition. And rightfully so. It, it definitely has the most... How do I put this? It is the most highly regarded competition out of all the coffee competitions. And it's like, it's like very sexy, you know, like the barista side serving coffee, making the signature coffee drink is, it's awesome. But here's the thing is we're coffee roasters. So Jeff and I are talking going, well, it doesn't make sense for us to train to compete in the barista competition because one, (laughs) I have a little barista experience. Jeff has none. And we're like, well, what would 
add the most credibility to what we're doing. And that's where we're like, wait a second, cup tasters. Like if we were able to succeed at a high level in tasting coffee, then when we tell our customers that we taste all of our coffees, then it actually matters. Because at that point, if we told people, it's like, hey, we taste every coffee that goes out the door, which we do. It's like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure every coffee company ever tastes every coffee that goes out their door. I hope. But when I can say, hey, Jeff, who's a top 15 coffee taster in the country, tastes every coffee to make sure it, it is consistent, that it's high quality, and that it matches the standards of what we're doing, it has more impact. It's credible. So when you're a small business, anything you're doing, ask the question, why should somebody care? Is this credible? Is it just something that I want to post to make me feel good about I'm passionate, I'm working hard, I want to post about myself and what I'm doing? Or is it something that the customer will care about this? This is something that adds value to what they're doing. This They know just by reading this that what we're doing is legit because it is so hard to break through the noise with so many different competitors. And especially now as everybody switches to a digital focus, I'm seeing more and more and more and more coffee ads. And obviously I get targeted pretty aggressively with coffee ads because pretty much everything I do is coffee related. And so I'm getting targeted for all these keywords. And here is how I put it. If someone could take your content and replace the logo or replace the name with a different coffee roaster, would it still work? Let me break that down. So if I post a video of a coffee roaster pouring out beans and the caption is, we roast our coffees fresh every week and ship them directly to your door for the freshest coffee experience. These are all true things and they're all important things because if someone's not roasting your coffee fresh and shipping it directly to you, it's not going to be a good experience. But if you removed Folly Coffee Roasters, if you removed our logo and replaced it with any other coffee company, it would be the same ad. Put out marketing messages that could only be true of your business. So for example, here's a slight tweak I could do to that ad. Instead of just the beans coming out of the roasters, slow motion, super sexy, nice filter, have it be Jeff Forefront, the one opening the beans with the beans coming out and have the focus be our process and what Jeff does. You can say we focus on flavor profiles first and Jeff, our top 15 coffee taster in the country, profiles them to make sure you're getting the best flavor profiles that we can find. That was phrased terribly. That is absolutely not what I would write, but something along that idea is you want something that could only be true of what you're doing. And this is the opposite of that like trickle-down marketing that I'm talking about. Trickle-down marketing means you're taking somebody up top who's doing something, replicating what they're doing. And right now in specialty coffee, I think what that is, is this like really clean aesthetic like very, very clean packaging, very minimalistic branding, very muted tones, 
looking very sophisticated with tasting notes that are like very complex and like only a super taster would be able to taste. I'm always like burnt cardamom and uh, I don't know, like black licorice, which is also like, why would you want to put black licorice as a tasting note for something that like so many people hate? Anyway, back to the branding. (laughs) Muted tones. So I'm thinking like white or craft packaging, very minimalistic branding. Um, and you see people doing this really well here locally. There's companies doing this really, really well. But then these new businesses that are starting like this year take the same approach. And by doing that, you're just like replicating what somebody else is already doing well. And by the way, they have a huge, huge head start. So focus on building credibility. And I think part of the reason why a small business just starting will hesitate to do this is they don't want to come across as like, well, I don't want to be braggy. You know, like, I don't want people to just think I'm bragging about myself the entire time. But it's like, dude, like, <laughs> if you're not going to brag about yourself as a small business, like, who's going to do the bragging for you? And and maybe that's the way to brag about yourself without doing it directly is go find those reviews and only post those reviews over and over and over. But eventually you're going to run out of reviews or you're going to be giving away too much free coffee to be able to say a nice thing about yourself. If you're roasting coffee specifically, like what is it about you and the way you roast or your background that makes you unique as a business? What is unique about your business if it's just, I don't know, like a the name or I, I, there's it's it's like it's just the whole thing that you could every coffee ad I get you go you could replace this with absolutely anybody's name and I'm not saying this to be mean I'm I'm saying this because I know there are people out there working really really hard that really really care and they're roasting amazing coffee and they've put all the work needed into it but there's no way to distinguish these people from just like a below average cup of coffee with good marketing. And that's that's where it gets tough, is it's hard to cut through the noise. And I always jump back to the beer industry. But part of the difficulty with coffee is in the beer industry, when craft beer became a thing, there were set rules to this is a craft beer. You can only legally call your craft, uh, and I don't know if these rules have changed since I've been, because it's been a few years, but you could only call yourself a craft beer if, let's see if I have a memory, you could only call yourself a craft beer if you brewed under 2 million barrels of beer a year. That was later switched to 6 million barrels of beer because Sam Adams passed it and Jim Cook, the baller that started Sam Adams, basically like built craft beer himself. So 6 million barrels of beer, you have to use traditional ingredients. So you can't use any ingredients to just cheapen the product. I think they recently allowed rice to be used, which I don't agree with. Budweiser uses rice to lighten body. Like rice is a source of fermentable sugar that lightens body. I think the reason they did this, if I remember correctly, is because Yingling uses rice. And I think the craft brewing industry really just wanted Yingling to be included in in the numbers of craft beer growth. Six million barrels of beer a year traditional ingredients, traditional quality ingredients, and you must be independently owned. So you must be independently owned and beer is over 60% of what you sell. So legally, 
if someone said, we are a craft brewery, you know exactly what they're making. In coffee, this is difficult because specialty coffee is anything over 80 points. And Starbucks sells quite a few coffees that are right at 80 points. So Starbucks can say, we are a specialty coffee. And so to come in and say, we're a specialty coffee roaster doesn't even distinguish you from Starbucks. And some people say we're a craft coffee roaster. And I do that too because I it makes sense. It, you know, Basically just pulling a parallel from craft beer and saying we have the same mindset, high quality, focused on doing the best tasting coffees we can make. But again, there's no legal definition to what that is. I always include high end in our descriptions of our coffees because I don't see people using the phrase high end and that to me separates it from just specialty. That separates it from just gourmet. Like high end coffees, it's hard not to picture what kind of coffees we're roasting. And third wave coffee is good but also it requires too much education to get someone to understand what third wave means because it's not intuitive. Craft beer is intuitive. You hear that, and even if someone had no idea about that definition, they go, oh, I, you know, craft product, I, I probably get what they're going for there. And so when marketing your product, I'm speaking specifically to coffee here, and then I'll tie it into just all products, use communication, use imagery, use things about your business that are only true for your industry, and then more specifically, your business. So for coffee at Folly, we need to distinguish that we are roasting extremely high quality coffees, single origin coffees that are ethical, ethically traded, and just really high end, high quality but that's not where it should end. You need to say what you're doing after that that distinguishes it to your business only. You want people to know the industry in, specifically what segment of the industry, really high end, and then finally to narrow it down to where nobody could put their logo on your ad or your post or your communication, what makes it unique to only your business. And so brag, like don't hold back. If you've got something about yourself that's worth bragging about, tell people, shout it, tell everyone. Because if you're holding back something that you're like, "Eh, I'm actually really, really proud of this, but I don't want people to think I'm just bragging. It's like, that's what gets people to buy. That's what gets people to be curious about what you're doing. It's like, dang, this guy over here is bragging like this about these coffees, or he's bragging about this roasting process, or is he bragging about this or that? Like, I at least want to give it a try. And only brag about it if you can back it up because then it's not really bragging. It's just confidence in your product and confidence in your product when you're a small business is absolutely key. Anyone who thinks that being braggy as a small business owner is just a hater and haters going to hate. As Taylor Swift said, haters going to hate, 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 hate. (laughs) So stupid. And I'm going to tie this episode up on that point that don't look at what people are doing already. 
look at what they're doing and try to picture how they came to that point. What did they do before making these videos? And here's an even better question to ask. So let's go back to James Hoffman specifically within coffee, but you can do this in any industry is find someone that you really respect what they're doing. So I'm going to say James Hoffman with YouTube and his reviews and the extremely dedicated coffee following he has is you go, why does he have that following? Not how does he have it, not what does he do, not how is he filming, but why does he have that following? Sometimes the answer is as simple as they were the first to do it. They were the first one to start doing this thing in that industry on that platform. So maybe there's a new platform coming out or there's something new that you can be the first of that. But I'm going to tell you that those you will not see that until 10 years from now. And that means you picked the absolute right thing to be a part of. But ask, why is the person that I respect so much in the position they're in? What do they do really, really well? What credibility, what credibility do they have? And this is one of the troubling things about social media is there's people with no credibility that still do well and they make claims and they say things and they do things that are kind of unjustified, but I don't think that's a good long-term sustainable business solution, especially if you're doing it in something you're really passionate about. If you don't have the credibility and you make claims, the second you start to get larger amounts of success, someone will absolutely call you out on that. So if you don't have the credibility to be able to make these claims and brag, (laughs) then don't do it. Focus intently on building credibility, free products to everyone, free services to everyone, not everyone, but like everyone in the industry, everyone who's credible, everyone with an opinion that you respect and swing for the fences. Like, don't just say, I, I, I don't know this person. I shouldn't reach out. Like what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you shoot someone a message that you really respect? They, they don't respond or they say no. And then you're in the exact same position as when before you didn't reach out to them. So that's going to be where I wrap up this episode about what I've coined as trickle-down marketing. Uh, Hit me up with any questions you have, any counterpoints, any, any thoughts you'd like me to expand on, or any more real world examples of how we've like failed in doing that and how we shifted. And I'll, we'll, I will end this episode as I do every other and say, have a nice day.